The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They're all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The world is a lot different these days, and the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are ready to help you safely navigate it. From helping you figure out the conscientious destinations to helping you figure out entry protocols for different countries, the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are there for you. Looking to work abroad for an extended period of time? Looking to attend virtual school from a remote location? These are all things that Blue Pineapple Travel can help you do. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in their ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust your training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you and to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by SlayRx. You can find those good folks at www.slayrx.com. Are you needing a pleasant spark to take your endurance game to the next level? Are you needing an all-natural, high-quality, customized hydration powder with or without sugar to stave off cramping and dehydration? Are you in need of an effective all-in-one fuel to slay your endurance efforts? Look no more. SlayRx. SlayRx has a really good line of products to serve our most pleasant exhaustion podcast listeners. Let's start with Michelle's favorite, Spark Plug, which replaces sports gel and gross post-race strips to the Porta Johns. It's a poppin' electrolyte powder in small, easily carried tubes. There's also an all-in-one endurance fuel. It has all of your electrolytes, clean fuel, and for no extra cost, your essential amino acids with or without caffeine. And it costs about one-third as much as other brands' combo rocket fuels. Finally, they have my favorite, SlayRx Hydrate Powder, which comes with or without sugar and varying strengths of electrolytes based on your individual needs. They can find those individual needs on the free quiz online at SlayRx.com or with in-person testing like Patrick and I did at their headquarters on podcast episode number 114. Hydrate is the fuel that I use during the Blue Ridge Relay this year, and I recommend it for all of you as well. SlayRx products are 100% natural, come in great flavors, are vegan friendly, and the Hydrate Light is keto friendly. They've all been well researched and developed by a UGA food scientist who's also an Ironman athlete. The products are tested by the pros and endorsed by your fellow endurance athletes and hardworking folks in the community. The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at SlayRx.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT21 for 10% off at their website. Thanks to SlayRx for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors, and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and SlayRx. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a college professor, and I'm the father of twin boys. My name is Michelle Frank. I'm also an endurance athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. I am a CPA, and I am a mom to three girls. Derek Hall. I am an endurance athlete and coach in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm the father to three teenagers and the husband to a beautiful wife, Melissa. 
Fantastic. The crew is together again, and I am excited to talk about tech stuff this week, but we'll get to that in just a minute. Let's go around the horn real quick. Michelle, what's going on? What's new and exciting in your life? So back in December, when we did our uh, holiday gift guide, I spoke about uh, Like the Wind magazine, a British publication, and mentioned that I continually pay X too many pounds for it because I won't just subscribe (laughs) and kind of hope somebody would take that as a hint, like a family member of mine and get me a subscription for the holidays, but nobody did. Any family member in particular you had in mind, Michelle? Well, I really thought my mom would totally... Mm. I can't figure, I still can't figure out why she didn't and hasn't, mm. but it's okay because I did it for myself <laughs> this month. So um, I got my issue number 27, which is my first technically subscribed to issue. So it only took me 26 issues in a few years and I'll save a few pounds per issue now. And I'm really excited to just be all in on this publication and um, support the writers and the artists and look forward to spending some time on the couch reading it this weekend. Excellent. Excellent. As a new subscriber, did they send you any extra back issues for free? That is such a great question, George. Mm. They happened to send me an additional issue number 25, Mm. which I believe you wanted the copy of. I was going (laughs) to say, have you made plans for that extra issue 25 just yet? Yeah. I thought I would probably drop it off at someone's house that lives like a mile from the parking lot at Kennesaw the next time I go to Kennesaw. Fantastic. I am excited. You know what the to nice see thing that. about that is, Michelle? What? It's cheaper you than always, donuts? Well, you already have one and you know he's not going to give it back. So it's much better <laughs> than the chorus watch that he was showing you just a minute ago. I mean, I could diss on George for that, but I think you also have some of my Like the Wind magazines that you also haven't given back. How do you like me now? <laughs> right, Eric? <laughs> oh, poor it's Eric. It's a very miscalculated job. <laughs> miscalculated job. Michelle one, Eric and George zero. <laughs> but George will soon be one because he will have <laughs> issue number 25, um, which I'm excited about. Thank you for sharing that with me, Michelle. And uh, congrats on your new subscriber status. I appreciate you pulling through for yourself when other people in your family didn't pull through. Uh, Eric, what's totally new exciting with you, man? You said that. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Eric, what's new exciting with you, bud? Yeah, so other than the fact that um, I'll be going to the post office tomorrow to mail some lights to win back. Back to Atlanta. No, so uh, I've been, so I'm, I'm coaching this guy and it, it, we've talked about him before, James, and, you know, he ran that marathon. Yeah. But he, he was listening. He listens to the strength running podcast mm-hmm. um, all the time. And every once in a while he'll, he'll say, Hey, did you listen to this? And he sent me one and I listened to that, but then I listened to another one. And um, uh, Fitzgerald was talking to um, it's, I don't want to get into all the specifics of it. Basically what it came down to is they were talking about the importance of being very deliberate about your runs. And they were talking about, of very simple ways to be delivered about your run. So if you have a coach and, you know, when I'm coaching the track team, the very first thing I teach them to ask is what's the point? Like, what are we doing today? You know, like, so is this about speed? Is this about, you know, lactic acid? Is this about uh, form? Is this about race pace? You know, I, I want them to, to, to ask those questions like coach, what is today's workout all about? And, he, he made a point to say, like, in your notes, when you don't have a coach, you should be asking the same question. Because what you might fall into, well, today is about running 10 miles. 
Well, no, th there should be more to it, right? Yeah, of course it's 10 miles because 10 miles is on the schedule and that's when I get to get in. But why am I running those 10 miles? Am I running those 10 miles as a fart lick? Am I running those 10 miles just as base? And then taking it one step further of, is there something else I'm going to try to accomplish? I looked outside and it's pouring. So today's about running 10 miles in the rain and thinking positively about something while I'm out there. Um, so it was, he was basically making the case for make everything purposeful and to make it purposeful, write it down. So before your run, pre-run, write down what the goal for the run is and, and go beyond to get 10 miles basin. Um, and then after the run, go back and say how to go. And he expanded that also to say, you know, record those other things like the weather and, you know, if there was some significant event that happened during it. He said, because then your training log becomes more than a bunch of Strava posts about how far you went and how fast you went. Your training log becomes something that you can look back on and say, why was that day so good? What, what trend am I seeing here that might be uh, beneficial for me to break or something that's really helping me out? So I thought that was pretty neat. And George, you've seen it because Brett has actually poked fun at me for it. Uh, the, my last few runs and rides on Strava, I've gone ahead and put that in there. I said, you know, here was my goal for the day. And then I did a little pre and post and threw the weather in there and where I was, you know, on one of my rides, I was like location, uh, attic. <laughs> you know, cause I was on but I just, I think that that's something I lost over the years. And so it's something I'm trying to get back. You know, when you have a paper log, it's a whole lot easier. Have a pen in your hand and you know, Oh yeah. But when you're doing it on Strava, you like it automatically loads it and it's all there. And that's great. And I think it's important and it helps, but I think there, you need to add a little more to it, make it a little more rich. So Very that's cool. my new thing right now. And that's, that's what I'm doing. That's Very what I'm good. all about. Very good. Very good. Yeah. I, I keep fairly detailed notes in my, in my training log. Um, I tend to put comments, post activity comments, just in my own personal log, um, a lot of stuff. And I, and I find that I really enjoy those when I go back later on, like literally years later um, and, and read them. Um, and I don't make a general practice of doing that. I only do it once every now and then, but, but, um, I also have had the opposite where I've, I've gone back and looked at it and I found, Oh wait, I really wish I would have written more here. I didn't really put anything in this and, and I wonder what was going on in this day. I would have liked to have had more details. So, so yeah, I agree. I think that's cool. Very cool. Is your log on paper, George? So my log is on training peaks. Um, okay. and I hired a coach, um, in, 2009 no 2000 yeah 2009 i think it was uh, maybe 2008 who wanted to use training peaks um and so it took me actually a little while to warm up to it, it took about six months for me to really warm up to it um but basically since before 2010 so for more for more than 10 or 11 years i've been keeping my log in training peaks um and and i like that um, i i found in the past when i've kept logs sometimes it, i would get too bogged down in the numbers and the details like, oh, I ran this far and it was 701 pace. And last week I did it, it was 659 pace. And so I must be losing fitness. And, I t and, and so there are times when uh, I've had to purposely not keep a log. And for whatever reason, the fact that it auto uploads into training peaks keeps me from really getting bogged down in those numbers. Um, and that's been good. That's been yeah, thinking back to um, high school and those paper logs, yeah. Yeah. Grace was asking questions about it. And I started thinking, we were guessing at how fast we were running. Oh yeah, totally. We were just throwing distances down. 
Oh yeah, I was running about seven fifteen. Yeah, yeah, and and no idea, but but yeah, I kept those logs too. Um, and then I, yeah. I basically quit keeping a log in college because I was getting too down bogged down on that stuff, yeah. and that was taking a lot, away a lot of the enjoyment for me. And then yeah. didn't keep one until the two thousand. So for, for about fifteen years, I didn't have a log. Um, and I've basically found a way to do it now where I like it and I can look back on it and enjoy it, um, for all those reasons that you just described. Um, but, but not get so bogged down in the numbers that actually sucks the enjoyment out of the activity. Um, so very good. Um, I have seven full years of training in, in training peaks since cool. Alana was born in 2014, that's but I don't cool. ever, I don't go back much. It's interesting. I go back and go back sometimes. and just read the comments. So, mm-hmm. I will. I'll go back and read like, cause after some big races, I write like a lot of comments. And so I'll, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I went back and read all the stuff I wrote after the 2016 New York city marathon. Um, and it was, it was a long, it was essentially like a small race report inside of my training log. Was that like a um, 235 for you? That was a good run yeah, for you. Wasn't it was it? a 236. Yeah. 236. It was a 236 and it was a year after getting run over by a car. Yeah. Um, and so it was my first kind of coming back, um, which was important and very emotional. Um, so, so yeah, um, speaking of running in various places, uh, all three of us have done plenty of running at Kennesaw mountain. And as we're going around the horn, I'm going to talk about another book that I'm adding to my pile of books on my nightstand, which immediately before we came on the air, um, we were talking about the pile of books on my nightstand and Michelle had the mistakenly asked. Michelle had the audacity to suggest that maybe I didn't really actually have any on my nightstand, and so I went and grabbed them off my nightstand. And there are several, um, um, as uh, as Eric suggested last week. That is one of the categories of books, and I and I laughed to say, yes, I have many of those as well. But one of the books I'm adding to my nightstand that that I, I probably uh, will read sooner rather than later um, is by Sean P. Graham. Um, and Sean P. Graham is the younger brother of a guy named Kevin Graham. Uh, and Kevin Graham was one of my teammates at Georgia. Tech. Um, he was the captain. He was a year older than me. He was the captain of the uh, uh, cross country team when I was a junior and he was a senior. Um, he was an all ACC performer in, uh, in cross country. He was an all American um, in cross country, as a matter of fact, his senior year. Um, but anyway, his younger brother, uh, Sean, uh, wrote this book about Kennesaw. Um, it's called Kennesaw, a natural history of a Southern mountain. Um, Sean is actually a professor um, of biology and he's the curator of the vertebrate con- collection, which I think is funny. Um, at Sol Ross State University, that's in Alpine, Texas, um, and uh, he wrote this fairly short book um, about about Kennesaw Mountain, the place where all of us have spent a whole lot of time uh, running and and sweating. Um, and so I am I am curious to read that and and read more about not only the history of the mountain but the natural history of the mountain, like where it came from and what sort of flora and fauna one can expect to find there. So. I'm excited about that. It does have a unique smell. (laughs) Um, I don't think there's an entire chapter on the smell, but I imagine that there's probably... um, There should be something significant in there. It does have a smell. Like it just does. I tell you that I'm, I'm, if nothing else, I'm, I'm very intrigued by even just the, the names of the chapters. There's a chapter called ancient forest. There's a chapter called unfortunate rocks. There is another chapter called plant adaptations. There's another chapter called Copperheads. There's another chapter, an entire chapter called Webster's Salamander. They're um, missing the chapter called Kennesaw Forever Hill. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, maybe it's there and I just haven't gotten to it yet. There's another one called Little Green Eating Machines. Man, this is gonna be great. So, so yes, I'm, <laughs> I'm excited about this. One called Bird Migration. This is gonna be fun. 
bird magnetism, that completely separate chapter from bird migration. So, so yes, I'm excited about this and I look forward to sharing it with y'all once I get deep into it. I bought it from Avid Bookstore in Athens, Georgia, an independent bookstore there that is owned by one of my college friends. So um, if you're looking for a good independent bookstore at which to purchase Kennesaw by Sean P. Graham or any other book, Avid Bookstore is the one. All right, speaking of books, let's talk a little bit about what our next book of the quarter is going to be. Of course, last week we talked about uh, Running to the Edge by Matthew Futterman and our mixed feelings about it. Um, and we spent a lot of time thinking about what the book was going to be and we decided on, Michelle? We are going to read the new book by Alexi Pappas called Bravey. Um, Alexi's a standout runner from Dartmouth turned 2016 Olympian. She ran uh, the 10,000 meters for Greece. She's got dual citizenship. Her mother uh, committed suicide when she was young and she fell into a pretty deep clinical depression after the Rio Olympics. And she writes about uh, kind of going into that depressed dark place and really tapping into, you know, what, what her mom, what the emotional state of her mom must've been like when she took her own life, when Alexi was a young child and her path to healing and recovery. And, um, just, she found a doctor who, you know, basically explained mental illness to her in the same way that an orthopedic would explain a torn ACL and, uh, you know, the same way that the bone is broken, her brain is broken and came up with a path to her for healing. And I think in a time where, you know, a lot of runners are trying to be more forthcoming with uh, mental health awareness and reducing the stigma around talking about it. Uh, this book is, it's different. It's not like a actual chapter book. It's more of a little bit of poetry, a little bit of vignettes. I mean, a little bit chaptery, but um, I think anybody who's listening to this podcast has probably seen it somewhere. It's probably the hottest book out there right now. So we thought we would pivot a little bit and take a dive into it ourselves um, and see what we have to say about it. And obviously what anybody else has to say about it who awesome. listens and wants to join us reading it. So awesome. Yes, for sure. You remember that when we read uh, Run Happy um, last year, um, that they they dedicated, was it a full chapter, Michelle, in Run yeah. Happy that they dedicated to mental health? Um, yes. I think it was. Yeah. And, and um, I remember reading at the time and it felt kind of shoehorned in and I was wondering why it was there. And then you said, I think it was there because this is something that matters to them and they had a platform and they wanted to go ahead and use it. And I think you were totally right about that. Um, yeah. And and I have a lot of respect for that. And I appreciated that. Um, and and um, this is something that's gotten a lot more. This topic is something that's gotten a lot more attention in endurance sporting circles. Um, Michael Phelps has talked a lot about it and his, his executive produced uh, some specials about it as well, some television specials. Um, and so, so yeah, I look forward to, to, to uh, wading into this and, and uh, reading this particular book. Uh, yeah, it's a weighty topic um, for sure. But, but I look forward to you know, spending some time with it over the course of the next three months here. So book of the quarter, like we said, that means you got three months to get it and read it and to digest it. And I imagine if it's as, as weighty as it sounds, then it'll probably take a little bit of time to, to read and digest. You know, some major publications have kind of introduced Alexi's book um, by reminding people like the most decorated Olympian of all times, Michael Phelps, how he was very public about his depression and managing his mental health and mm -hmm. Ali Reisman. And so Alexi just kind of comes onto the scene as a professional distance runner and falls right in line with you know, people who obviously have a lot more fame, um, but she's right up in that 
kind of upper quadrant of coming out and bringing this topic to the forefront and making it just more commonplace to speak about. So, Very and good. I think the book is written in a unique style. So it's super different from anything we've ever read. And why read it amongst ourselves when we can read it with everybody else? <laughs> Agreed. And actually, the more that we talk about it, the, the more excited I get about it. Um, I'm a little nervous so, about so, it, but. <laughs> so, so um, fair. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go to Avid Bookshop's website here and I'm going to order my copy tonight and I will look forward to diving into it over the course of the next short while here. All right. It's tech night tonight. So, and I think we're going to talk about a lot of shoes. Is that right, Eric? And that's right. And uh, it's funny that just today, you know, earlier today, George, we were talking about the number of shoes we have in our stable <laughs> and I actually counted them up. And you know, a lot of this has to do with my wife and daughter working in, stores that sell shoes and, and kind of an addiction, but I have 11 different <laughs> shoes that I am actually running in from eight different manufacturers. Right on. That's crazy. <laughs> That's great. And, and the, well, here's the crazy thing too, is the shoe that I want to talk about first that I'm so excited about. You don't even have? That's right. <laughs> Not yet. You don't. Not yet. I don't. So, so, so no, I'm, I'm the same way. Actually, the most striking thing about what you said there is not to me that you have 11 pairs of shoes that you rotate through at some speed. Um, it's that they're from eight different manufacturers. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that, that's the striking part about that to me. It's not like you have one favorite. It's not like you're like, oh, it's all Ultra. It's all Hoka. You know, you're not like one of these cultists that only buys Nike. Um, um, rather, you, you are spreading yourself out and trying all these different types of shoes. And that's why we like you tech, Eric. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying each one of the shoes for their different, their different purposes. And, and by the end of the week, I'll have 12 because I'll have a new shoe from a new manufacturer <laughs> that I haven't tried yet. So we'll see what how that goes. That? Uh, that would be the On Cloud Ultra. So oh, by the end so of the week. Yeah. So my but, friend, um, my friend Marcy, her husband just bought her those and she sent it to me. Looks like a pretty hefty shoe. It is not a lightweight shoe. It is definitely an ultra shoe. And um, yeah, I'm excited. So I'll, I'll definitely will circle back to that shoe, but that is not one of the shoes we're going to talk about tonight. No, it's and not. No, and, but the shoe that I would like to start out with is the new shoe from Diodora. And I, I don't believe I've ever worn a Diodora running shoe. Nobody um, has. <laughs> <laughs> and and the crazy thing is Diodora didn't just come out and like dip their toes in the water with this shoe this shoe is insane and and if, if you're not driving a car right now well and if you are driving a car I would pull over and actually look up on Google or whatever you know Safari whatever Diodora Equipe Corsa and that's it sounds it's Equipe Equipe if you're if you're from the South, of course, so <laughs> C-O-R-S-A. Um, this, this is the, by far the most, uh, I, I would say one of the most dramatic looking shoes I've seen, especially from the bottom. But the bottom of this shoe is pretty dramatic. And I, I would go as far as to say, this is a, just a straight up Italian sports car shoe, Italian super car shoe. Uh, the very first thing I thought of was a, a Lamborghini. You know, you think huge wings, huge intakes, giant tires. Uh, that that is this shoe, and it, it just I watched a uh, Believe in the Run video on this, 
And the whole time I was just staring at the shoe. <laughs> I, I think I missed half of the content of, of, you know, half of what Thomas had to say because I was staring at the shoe. And then I went and read about it. And this shoe is just that's, really that's, cool. That's a sort of sober commentary we're looking for from you, Tech Eric, that you, <laughs> you actually missed the content of the review because you're so enthralled with the look of the shoe. Very also, nice. can we talk about the fact that Lamborghini, <laughs> Lamborghini is owned by Audi, which is actually German, but it's okay. You can go but, Italian for now. So says the person who drives an Audi. So what you're yeah, trying to yeah. tell us, Making Michelle, is that you actually drive a Lamborghini. That's not going to fly. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm trying to say. So, Michelle, you don't drive I a think Lambo. they're a fake Italian company. <laughs> so anyway, this shoe, uh, this shoe is all about performance and it has so many interesting, so many interesting uh, little aspects about it or big aspects about it as I'll talk about that it's just it's just downright cool so uh, the, the, the purpose of the shoe was to build it, it's a it's a racing shoe that has as much in my opinion as much technology as possible can be crammed into one shoe and and I'll, I'll kind of go down through it you know it's supposed to be a, a lightweight shoe it's supposed to lock your foot in um, it's supposed to have a lightweight breathable upper which well, every shoe right now is supposed to have a lightweight, breathable upper because that's what everybody wants. It's supposed to go a lot of miles. You know, uh, they were talking three to 400 miles. And it's supposed to give you that quick transfer heel to toe. So that was one thing about this shoe that I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, the heel actually is rounded. The heel, if you look at this from the bottom, it kind of looks like one of those um, super boats where it's got this really narrow, rounded rear uh, and, and then it's got a big flared out front and you look at it and you think, well, that's going to be really, really unstable for a heel striker. And that really, th that wasn't the point. The point was you come down on your heel, it instantly rolls to the midfoot and then you get onto the toe onto this super wide grippy platform that helps you with the toe off. Um, and again, it, when you, when you look at the shoe from the bottom and you think along those lines, you say, I see why they did that. I see why it looks like that and what they're trying to get you to do. They're trying to get you to, to launch off the front of that shoe. Um, now, one thing that's interesting about this shoe, it, it is a plated shoe um, and it is a, um, I believe it's a full plated shoe. And what was interesting to me was we heard the term P-backs and everyone gets excited when they hear P-backs because they think of the foam. Um, and one thing that, you know, you want to, I think is important to point out here is the P-backs isn't the foam in the shoe. The P-backs is actually the plate. And the P-backs, no. and the P-back, it is a P-backs plate because P-backs is like Ziploc or, or like, uh, yeah, well, Kleenex. like Ziploc or Velcro. Say again? Like Kleenex. Like Kleenex. That's correct. It's a brand it's a name? company. It's okay. a brand name. Um, and so when, when they threw the word P-backs in here, they were talking about the plate, not the foam. Um, and, it, and it is about that spring, about that transfer, about a little bit of rigidity in there that also provides some flex. So I think this is a really, really exciting shoe. Um, I'm excited to hear about some, I guess I would say, uh, less 
less uh, marketing type conversation about this. I'd like to see some runners wearing this in, in races and whatnot to really, you know, get a little bit better feel for how effective it is. But it's a really exciting shoe. You're, it's a really lightweight shoe. We're down in the six ounces for the female, um, seven ounces for the male shoe. Um, and that's, I think that's like the size eight, eight and a half. Uh, it's got a really high drop, 10 millimeter drop. But again, uh, the way the shoe is designed, I'm not really sure how, how that's going to play into the way it's used with that rounded heel and the, the quick transfer. I'm not really sure. Uh, they're marketing it anything from a 5K to a marathon, which- it looks like spikes for the road in a way. And that's exactly how they describe it. <laughs> it looks like the Nike, you know, like the sort of Alpha Fly type, Zoom Fly, whatever the Nike running shoe is that they're putting spikes on for the track. This looks like that, except for the road, in a way. But who are we going to see wear this? You know, who, who runs in Diodora? Like, how are we going to see? Who's going to test this? Kyle Masterson. Okay. Kyle Masterson uh, is, is a professional runner for Diodora um, who had one of the most masterful uses of, of a Diodora upper stitched to a, a Vaporfly sole. Okay in the 2020 Olympic marathon trials. Really? Yeah. Um, I mean, it was, it was brilliant. So you would never know unless you actually knew what you were looking at. But yeah, if, if you Google Diodora Pro Vaporfly 2020 Olympic trials, Masterson, whatever, you know, whatever uh, combination of those terms you want to, you will find the picture of him that, that appeared. He dropped out at 16 miles. Um, and so he doesn't appear actually in the finals. Um, and the picture of him that popped up on Instagram happened to be of him blowing a snot rocket. But um, if you look past all of that, you will notice that his shoes are a, a really uh, solid patch up job of Diodora uppers and Nike lowers. Um, but that being said, I certainly hope he will be one of the first because <laughs> he, he's clearly somebody who, who is, is very much desiring one of these shoes, assuming that in fact, he's still sponsored by Diodora, um, which I don't know. So I pulled the picture up. So you're telling me he has this neon yellow green Diodora upper and mm -hmm. Diodora basically mm -hmm. sewed, is that a word Do you sew? So yes. put this upper is sewn onto the Nike bottom. Yeah. I don't How think Diodora that? necessarily did it for him, though. I think he might have done it himself. Oh, did he get in trouble for that? Not, I mean, I don't know. I don't follow that. Wow. If you buy the two shoes, how do you get in trouble for that? <laughs> I mean, if anything, I would think the Diodora would appreciate the fact that he's going to such great lengths to try and continue to repre represent his sponsor when they don't have a carbon-plated shoe. Maybe if um, you finish the race, they would. So, so yeah um no i think i think it's a i think it's an interesting shoe um i i would certainly like to see diodora um step into this space as well i think it's kind of fascinating how many companies um have stepped into this super shoe game um and and have created a so-called super shoe um you had nike of course who, who was at the front of it and then of all things hoka was one of the first people to respond but now you have ASICs who seems like they would have been one of the first people to respond. That's just now starting to respond as well. Um, you have Skechers who have, who have released their response, which we talked about, which I ran my last marathon. And you have Puma that I know that Michelle is going to talk about here in just a second um, and that, that, that has released their response. And so uh, Saucony has released their response and on and on and on and on and on. I mean, just um, Adidas has too. It just, it, it feels like I, I, I don't want to say it's played out, 
but it's definitely we're through the looking glass on the super shoes, <laughs> you know, um, everybody has one now. And I think it's kind of fascinating. Um, and I, and is this sort of the, the jumping the shark moment of the carbon shoes that, that here we have, have even Diodora has put out their own carbon plated super shoe. Um, well, it certainly levels the playing field. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can't keep saying that such and such shoes bring such and such advantage when almost every runner who, you know, wears a sponsored shoe or even not has the option for a plated shoe and it doesn't have to be Nike. There's Mm -hmm. lots of other good options out there that are comparable. I agree. And I think that's great. I just, I want, I want to correct you on one thing. And this is where I get my techiness. This is a plated shoe. It is not a carbon plated shoe. It is a P-backs plated shoe. Okay, well, so so, but you said that Pbacks is the brand, though. What did they actually make the plate out of? Did they not make the plate out of carbon? Plastic. Okay. Yeah, it says it's, it is a, a lightweight plated racer with DD Anima midsole and Pbacks plate. Hmm. Interesting. So it's it's like the endorphin speed, mm-hmm. um, where it doesn't have a carbon plate like the endorphin Pro. Mm-hmm. It, it has a plate though. But and it's not even carbon infused, this plate. It's just plastic, basically. That's correct. It's plated. So, but, but the difference here is this shoe has so much more going on. This rounded <laughs> heel. It, it's yeah. the only one with that rounded heel that you see, like, like Michelle mentioned, on a spike. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they match it to this huge forefoot that's that, you know, it's that platform. And George, you just mentioned the, the, the ASICs, and I believe you were talking about the Metaspeed duo, those two shoes. Yeah. Uh, one thing that this has in common with that is it's about grip on the front, and you can see in the pattern that they put on the shoe, um, on the Diodora, mm-hmm. and the immense amount of rubber that you don't see on a lot of shoes these days. Mm-hmm. It's about not losing any of that grip during the toe-off, during the actual transfer of, you know, of uh, force to the ground and getting you going forward. So I think it's com- it, it's something kind of exciting and something interesting. I, I think it's interesting too. And, and I, I think that, you know, whenever we first started talking about Vaporflies a few years ago, I mean, we did a whole podcast, Patrick and I did on Vaporflies a couple of years ago after we had both run uh, races in Vaporflies. Um, and, and one of the things we said then and we still could say it now is you don't totally know exactly why vapor flies work um that that we don't know the mechanism precisely by which they make you more efficient at the end um we know that most of it actually comes from the foam and not the plate which i think is so interesting because so much attention gets paid to the plate and not the foam um but we don't know exactly the mechanism by which it works and so what's so interesting to me in in all of these uh, latest iterations and new incarnations of shoes is that they're employing different strategies. Um, it's like whatever the Nike strategy is, well, Diodora is not necessarily trying to do the same strategy that Nike did, or they're not trying to, to increase your efficiency and thereby make you faster in a long distance race by having their shoe do the same thing to you that the Nike shoe does to you. Does that make sense? And I think that's kind of fascinating. It does. So, so, so like the, so take the ASICs, for example. So the ASICs are, are coming out today. Um, and, and, uh, the, the Meta Racer Sky is coming out today. Today's the last day of March. It's supposed to come out today. Uh, the Meta Racer Edge is supposed to come out in a couple of months. Um, 
And what they have said, and the thing, and it, it all redounds in marketing as well. So, so what ASICS has said is that they have now have this new carbon plated racer and their carbon plated racer is better for two reasons. First, because they have two different carbon plated racers, each of which is appropriate for people who run in different ways. And so if you have a long loping slide, if you're like a Marty Heher type, um, then the Meta Racer Sky is the one that's for you. Um, if you have a short, quick cadence and you take more steps per minute than other people, uh, more of like a Sarah Hall type runner, then the Meta Racer Edge is the one that's for you. Um, and they say that, that, so that's one thing about it is that, that they're marketing it by saying that, that they have two different carbon plated shoes with each have different uh, geometry that is, is better suited for the sort of runner that you naturally are, which I think is kind of fascinating. And then the second thing that they're saying that sets them apart is they're saying that, that um, the way that they are going to help you is by helping you take fewer steps during the race. And so they say that they'll take, let you take anywhere from one and a half percent to two and a half percent fewer steps during the race. And so if you're taking 700 fewer steps over the course of a marathon, that's 700 fewer opportunities for your feet hit the ground to cause muscular damage, uh, for you to be inefficient, for you to lose power and time, all that sort of thing. I think that's just sort of a fascinating approach. Um, Nike has never said anything about how, oh, well, the thing these shoes do for you is to, to help you take fewer steps. ASICS is saying our shoes will help you take fewer steps. And that's what's going to be that makes you actually faster and better over the course of a marathon. I think that's because it's going to save your legs. I mean, so, so yeah. And, yeah. and because it saves your legs, you'll be able to sprint to the finish sure. the way that Sarah Hall did at the tail end of, of the London. London marathon last year. And they are very expressly putting that forward in all of their literature. You want to finish a marathon like this? These are the shoes for you. Um, oh yeah. They have a marketing video mm -hmm. and it, it starts with Sarah Hall making that pass and sprinting mm -hmm. to the finish. <laughs> I mean, that was an amazing pass. Oh, it was fantastic. It was, it was, it was brilliant. It was a great race. And, and, but, but you can't help but wonder, did they say, okay, how we, she was wearing the prototype shoes. How can we say like, how can we say that you're going to be able to finish like Sarah Hall if you use these shoes? What's the story we're going to tell? What's the narrative we're going to craft around? She this? told the story for them. She created so, the narrative for them. She yeah. sold that shoe before they even had to talk about it. Yeah. That but, but, but for them, but for them to be able to say, okay, you want to finish like Sarah Hall here. The reason why Sarah Hall finished so much better than these women that she was kicking past over the last kilometer of this race is because she was taking fewer steps. She had more steps left to give by the time she got to the finish of this race. Um, and they were all stepped out. That could be you too. Um, I, I, it's, I, this, is not a, this is not a chapter in the carbon plated shoe wars or in the plated shoe wars that I ever foresaw that, that we were actually going to, to ripple out into all of these different ways of thinking about how to make the foot interact with the ground um, and what that's gonna mean for your efficiency late in the race. And I think it's fascinating. I don't think this is a plated shoe conversation anymore. I, I think that's what kind of kicked off the conversation because it was the only component that Nike added to the shoe. Hmm. But, you know, the Diodora shoe, there's so much more in your face on that shoe that's not hidden in the shoe that makes that shoe different. The, the ASIC shoe, there is so much more going on on those shoes uh, that 
that Nike didn't do with the Vaporflies. And mm -hmm. I, what I think is really cool, and this, this goes to the endorphin line and then this ASIC shoe, and it, it's different approaches is the endorphin line is three shoes with pretty much two and a half to three express different uses. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you could buy all three of those shoes. Mm -hmm. And, they and want you to. One runner can <laughs> use all three of those shoes. And, and they, they want you to, right? They want you to. Now, so it's customized to the use. And that's not really anything new, but I think they're one of the first companies to really market it like that and make the shoes all look the same. Yeah. Sure. Then you you're, you're, buying, you're buying a suite of shoes. Yeah. You're buying a suite of shoes. Perfect. But then ASICS comes along and they do something different. And I've been waiting for this, and I think this is so cool. They customize the shoe to the runner and the like how they mm -hmm. run. Yeah. Because strike. we are we are just mere inches away from uh, shoes that are built for the runner. Mm -hmm. We we are so close to shoes that are built for the runner and what that runner runs to where I want, you know, shoe X and there's versions X one through X five. And then it's custom fitted to your foot. You go to fleet yeah. feet, they scan your foot and then the shoe is built for you. Yeah. Rapid prototyping technology has turned into um, these uh, shoot. I just forgot what it's called. The uh, uh, materials printing machines, the 3d printers, 3d yeah. printing machines. Yeah. And we are inches. We are literally inches away from 3d printed shoes that fit mm -hmm. your foot based on a scan of your foot. And I think that I is so exciting. And I think the progression from the, the endorphin line to this ASICS line is we, we just pushed us in that direction. And I think there's so many runners out there who struggle with, well, I can't fit in the shoe that it has the best purpose for what I do. Mm -hmm. or there's only one shoe that I can wear, you know, just for comfort reasons, uh, or I've got a lace shoes really funny to make them work that we're or I like a certain company or I like a certain company. I appreciate a certain company yeah. and their, and their mission. Mm -hmm. Right. Or I don't like the company that fits me. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. So I think we are so close to that. And I think that's like the coolest thing. And that was the big thing I got. I, I, I'm going to detract from the $250 ASICS meta speed. <laughs> it, it, it's a crazy looking shoe. I heard some great praise about it. Um, it I read some great praise and, and heard. Um, but I think that uh, I think that the bigger story is what's next. What's next? Yeah. Yeah. ASICS already has a few shoe stores where they can 3D print you shoes. I know. Or not ASICS, Adidas. Um, and so I know that they, I mean, it's not certainly not commonplace. And I imagine it's probably only in a handful of big cities. And it's certainly an in-person shoe stores, which I think have taken a hit, of course, over the course of the past year, as has all in-person shopping of any sort. Um, but right. um, but yeah, I agree with you. I think that's fascinating. And so I think I think that the ASICS, um, ASICS, taking this to, okay, now we're marketing two different types of carbon plated shoes for two different types of runners. I agree with you that it's a step towards saying um, plated racing shoes are ultimately going to be something that everybody has. Cause we've all heard people say, say, Oh, well, you know, I don't, those shoes aren't for me cause I'm not fast enough or those shoes aren't for me because, you know, I, I wouldn't really get a benefit from them because, because, you know, three and a half hour marathon or four hour marathon or five hour marathon, I wouldn't really get anything from them. I think ASICS is starting to to plow the road of saying, saying, no, we have a pair of carbon plated racing shoes for you too, that will also make you more efficient and faster. And we'll get you to the finish line fresher. So you too can sprint like Sarah Hall. Um, 
I'm going to take one thing you just said there before you. Yeah, uh, please. I, I do not encourage anybody to go spend $250 on a pair <laughs> of shoes if you're running three and a half hour marathons. I, I, I don't think I, it's sort of, it's sort of like if you're driving to work eight miles every day, you don't need a Maserati or a, or a McLaren or a, or a Lamborghini. Yeah. I, I think they're, 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 <laughs> you tell us, Michelle, you're the one who drives a Lamborghini. <laughs> you guys. <laughs> I, I, I think there's a, in, and I say that because, you know, as a coach, especially high school track and cross country, I see a lot of, I see a lot of the kids out there wearing a, a vapor fly for running the mile or the 800, you know, and I, I think that that's not the intended purpose for that shoe yeah. that you you're and if you're putting big miles on that shoe, you know, you're doing your warm ups, your cool downs, your training, like, I mean, sure you can go do that, but, I really think there's a much more economical, appropriate uh, shoe out there, maybe for those for that purpose. So, I, I I definitely agree with you on that when it comes to like the, the high school milers and 800 meter runners. I, I I definitely agree that 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 the Vaporfly, for example, or the Alpha Fly is not the shoe that everybody should be running, regardless of the race that they're running. I, I definitely agree with you on that. I do though think that that if you're a marathoner and you are stuck right around four hours and you are looking to get under four hours and and you want to buy yourself a faster pair of shoes because you think you're going to do it and you have that 250 dollars to spend or that or that 200 dollars to spend spend it i don't have a problem with that i mean um, the mental edge alone from knowing that there's this pair of shoes that everybody you know says is going to make you faster could bring you under four hours, even if technically the shoes don't do anything for you because you're yeah. a four-hour marathoner. So I, I I agree with you. And remember, we, we had said that the that the research, the initial research on the vapor fly four percent, the earliest ones, showed that you actually got more of a benefit the slower that you ran. Right. Um, and so 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 yeah, I, I do think they're kind of for everybody, but but I think that's for, for folks to decide on their own. Um, I uh, a point taken. I I. Uh, yeah, I, I get you. If you've got the money to spend and you think it can give you the edge, and even if Michelle said, if you just think it can give you the edge, <laughs> it's not really doing it. But if the research we want you to spend the money, that is not what Eric is saying. That, 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 that mental edge thing is a double edged sword, though, because when I was falling apart in the last 10K of the LA Marathon this time last year, uh, and I was trudging along and I was hurting. I was in a world of hurt and I was wearing a pair of vapor flies. And, and I went past this guy, this spectator, he goes, Oh man, you got the super shoes on. You don't even have to run. And I was like, man, it's for you. <laughs> this guy, this guy saw me hurting. And he's like, you, you don't have to run wearing those shoes. Why are you I mean, hurting so bad? Why are you moving so slowly? And to so, be fair, you so, underestimated so that, that, the... That, that, that's a, uh, that's a, that, that's definitely a double-edged sword. <laughs> you also underestimated the hill at mile four in that marathon. So, I did underestimate the hill at mile four. That's not the reason why I was falling apart late. The reason why I fall apart late is because I overcooked my training going into that because I was busy running with Morgan Van Gorder, uh, Morgan Van Gorder and, and, and getting ready for, uh, getting her ready for the Olympic trials. But that's my right. fault. But I beware of the hill at mile four yeah. of LA <laughs> that is legit but they changed the course now so i don't know if the horse if, no, if it's still there so so yeah uh michelle though has been running the pumas and lest we talk about all of these carbon plated shoes and all of these companies putting out their shoes without talking about the deviate nitro is that the one that you had the deviate nitro 
Yeah, so Puma released um, the Deviate Nitro about two weeks ago. They're going to come out with the Deviate Elite also, which is what we've seen uh, some of their newly signed distance runners racing in Molly Seidel to be uh, specific. But the um, Deviate Nitro, which is the one that's available now, which is the one that I bought, is actually uh, the midsole's made of nitro infused foam but the <laughs> very original name um the plate is actually a carbon composite plate it's not a full carbon plate uh the elite version of the shoe is a uh, full carbon plate the shoe i've been running in is about eight something ounces for kind of the women's uh prototype size it's got an eight millimeter drop it's really uh designed and kind of hailed as more of like a max cushion with improved efficiency for long run type shoe. Um, the feel of it, the foam of it is most closely um, related or feels kind of like the Skechers Hyperburst or like the what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the what? I'm over here. <laughs> who, who, who is it that I didn't Puma buy was actually Skechers, trying to emulate? But I do believe that Puma, uh, it is believed, it is true that it's most similar to the Skechers Hyperburst or yes. the Brooks DNA Flash. Um, George is very happy. George and Eric love Skechers. Michelle's mm, iffy about Skechers. <laughs> I, to be fair, I was given Skechers when I was running for a team in 2013. We got like six pair of free Skechers. It was for sure one of their first iterations of you know, trying to come back to the market and the shoes really sucked. And I just, I never went back to them, but I see enough really good runners wear them that it was before sure they really started working try. on Meb Kaflesky. So, so that, I, and I think that's actually fair. I could give it another go, especially the ones that Eric wears for mileage and the ones George races in. Heck, I could just buy them off. If someone wants to buy them for me, I'll be happy to wear test them. But back to the Pumas. <laughs> um, <laughs> I will say that we're talking to you again, Michelle's mom. You, 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 you missed your cue in the Christmas story or in the Christmas podcast. Here oh, it is. I think I was pretty clear that I was going to buy these no matter if I bought them for myself or somebody bought them for me. And to be fair, I don't really want anyone to ever buy me running shoes. That sounds like a horrible gift because if I want them, I'm just going to figure out a way to get them myself. I think we actually said um, that on the podcast as well. But anyway, keep going. But sort of like Eric was talking about with the Diodora, and I was wondering if maybe this was a problem, you know, in, in 2016, 17, 18, with the first release of these shoes was um, this Puma has like a lot of sticky rubber for a strong toe off. And you can really feel that when you run. Um, I felt it most notably when I ran in kind of a rainy, uh, really slick. I've run some areas where I'm, I'm super careful in my New Balance 1080s because I don't want to go sliding. And uh, this shoe just, I mean, it just stuck to the ground and it, it felt really stable. I think anecdotally, I would describe the uh, feel of the foam um, soft and cushiony and responsive, most like the Vaporfly 4%, but with the stability of the Saucony endorphin line. Um, more like the speed than the pro, but I definitely think that the shoe is an awesome shoe. I mean, I'm super impressed. I had to play with the lacing a little bit. It is the, a lot of the reviews say it has a narrow toe box. I think it is a truly medium shoe, meaning if you have a medium foot that lends wide, I think you're going to have trouble with the shoe. But I don't think it's, my opinion is, even though it's kind of labeled as a narrow toe box, I think it's just more of a, 
a true medium. And I've seen some people back this up in the sense that it doesn't at all lean towards wide. And uh, the heel is crazy. It has these heel pads. And I found that I had a little bit of heel slip in the beginning, but with a little bit of research and posting on a Facebook group, I played with the laces the second and third time I ran in them. So I would say I really, I really like the shoe. I think it's a really well-made shoe. I would be excited to try uh, the Deviate Elite for racing when it comes out. And I just think that it will replace a couple pairs of shoes that were in my lineup, although I've never had eight or 11 pair of shoes. See, I, don't, I don't feel like it's going to ultimately but, replace any shoes in your lineup. I mean, you said that when you first bought them, that, that you had like two or three pairs of shoes that were about time to be retired. And so you bought these in order to replace like two or three pairs of shoes. And that was then therefore going to save you money in the long run. But you literally just gave this shoe a review where you compared it to almost every other shoe on the market. You compared it to Sockenies, you compared it to Skechers, you compared it to Vaporflies. Right, I kept but I'm not going to go out and to, buy all those. When you started talking about the narrow toe box, I thought you were going to start talking about Hoka's. And so this means that in order to truly get the full experience of, of the Pumas, you're going to have to branch out and buy all of these additional shoes. George, that's not true. I will say that <laughs> I, I've, I'm two weeks back on, on the track and I thought about wearing them, but I grabbed my Reeboks. Mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't take them on a trail. I would stick with the sense rides for that. Mm -hmm. I, and I'm pretty much just wearing them for anything that I might've worn the 1080s for. Um, I guess I'm still wearing the beacon at orange theory. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to go down <laughs> to my parachutes. <laughs> um, and also I really want that. What did I send you today? The fuel cell, the fuel. Whatever so yeah. The, the new balance fuel cell rebel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when that version two comes out in may, mm -hmm. I think I need that. <laughs> but that would be for the track that might replace the Reeboks. Anyway, I think the Puma's a great shoe. I'm happy to see another brand that's got a, you know, a strong track and field background. Um, Puma is the third largest like worldwide company behind Nike and then Adidas. So I think uh, mm -hmm. with the money that they're putting into distance running right now and sponsoring athletes and the training group in Chapel Hill, you know, for $150, I think it's a great shoe. So I'm, many I'm good really shoes right now. It, so. so many good shoes right now. I've, I've got some questions for you, Michelle. Oh, gosh. Yeah, no, no. I'm about not an engineer. Shoe, right? Not at all. It's not going to require you to be one. This shoe is really cool looking. You know, like, uh, I'll admit even, it. Even though, yeah. even though I, I agree with you, Eric, it's cool looking. Michelle said that she bought the ugliest color because she wanted to evaluated on its merits and then she sent us a photo of it and both you and i were like it's a pretty cool looking That's shoe, cool shoe. <laughs> everybody thinks it's the coolest looking shoe and i don't get it i mean i thought i obviously i did not apparently pick a color that was going to be unsatisfactory to the eye <laughs> because but. they didn't create one evidently but anyway i'm sorry i interrupted you eric what were you saying no, that's all right. That's all right. So there's a couple things about this. So people hear mesh upper, and I think a lot of us think back to the ultra and some of those early sketchers, which kind of had like a, I would call it like a gooey sock on the top and your foot slipped around it. So tell me about the upper on this. What's it like? So I would say the greatest thing about the upper is that the tongue is a gusset. It doesn't, meaning it's all kind of one piece. So uh, I found it helpful. It just feels like a sock almost. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't move around. Once you get it laced, I found that I kept the laces in the toe box area loose and came all the way up to the highest, I guess, hole, I uh, which I would typically go one below on another pair of shoes. But the upper just sort of 
uh, it almost just kind of conforms to the foot. It's, uh, it's just great. I, I don't know. But I don't know not, a good way to explain it's it. It's not like those early ultra knits where your no. foot, even though it feels like a sock, it's like the, the strength of a sock too. So this is like a, a, a nice one piece lock your foot down, but, but conform to your foot style. Yeah, your foot is really, yeah, I would say your foot is really locked down in the upper. The only place on the shoe that you might have an issue with feeling locked in is the heel. Um, and that's, that seems unanimous in everything I've read in my experience, but there is, I mean, I found a, I found a fix on the second run. I wore them out for seven miles and I was like, not going to do that again. Um, and I've worn them since uh, for two other runs up to, I've worn them for as long as I think 11 miles. So, but it is. It is mesh, it is uh, fitting against the skin, but at the same time, it's one piece. It feels like it, it also provides stability, even though it's okay. the top of the shoe. Okay, and then my next question is, the collar around the heel, I found that like the fabric used there is really important. It's not so much how thick it is, you know, Sakani will put like a, a big thick thing around the end there and different shoe companies will do different stuff, but that thing looks really minimal. It's almost like- It's almost missing entirely. It's actually a fascinating feature of the shoe. It's the one thing that I would love to understand from the design team, what they were going for there. I do think the next version that comes out, we will see the biggest adjustment made in the, in the heel area. There almost is no collar. I mean, it's probably less than a millimeter of, of a different thickness or a different texture or, you know, sewing the seam from, from the rest of the shoe. And it's pretty shallow in the heel also, which is, I think, what leads a lot of people to think that they're feeling a heel slip. Um, again, I think I told you guys I don't think that it was necessarily that my heel was slipping. It's just that the way the collar sits and how not deep it is on where it comes up uh, towards the back of the heel was an interesting feeling. But the shoe itself is just, it feels so good that if you can get away from that heel slipping feeling, it's super worth, it's super worth buying. Cool. Is the tongue like a thin tongue or is it a thick like plush tongue? It's not thin or thick. It's just, it's almost like perfect for the shoe. <laughs> I feel like so I need to send you my shoes. I'm not, I, 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 I'm doing, I'm doing the shoe. I'm not doing the shoe justice because no, I, I don't see, feel Michelle, like I have I the think, vocabulary. I think you are doing the shoe justice. At this point, I'm like, holy crap, Michelle is in love. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I never heard is. you CPA Michelle gush over anything the way that you were gushing over this shoe. Well, so I if, wanted if, to like if, the shoe If anything, also. you are definitely Remember? doing the shoe justice. Uh, yeah, I did. So, and, and I will say that it does, I, I love the way the shoe looks on my foot. And I have a lot of experience with, for instance, like, let's say the Nike Lunar Glider, whatever. I love the way the ugly shoe looks on my foot. No, I just mean, I don't, I, you're not understanding what I'm saying. <laughs> the point is, is that there are lots of shoes out there that I like the way they look on my feet and I can't run a mile in them. So the combination of, I wanted to be part of the hashtag Puma fam and it's a brand new shoe and nobody really has it. And I can talk about it cause I'm, you know, I've run it three times now. Um, so it's all working out pretty, pretty that's good cool. for me. No, that's really cool. I, 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 I think George and I are both like very jealous when you showed us the picture of the shoe. And I think at some point I want to see how I can get a hold of a pair of these if not to 
to keep just a run in. Um, I've had that experience that you just talked about. I really wanted this pair of New Balance 1080s and I got them and I, I hate them. I call them, <laughs> I, I call them my Solas, my uh, Solars, my shoe of last resort. Uh, we were just talking about this. Like it's, I, I, I leave it at the office for when I forget my shoes. And they're the shoes I wear to run over lunch at the office when I forget my shoes. But I was really excited about them. But I, they also they they have horrible grip, absolutely horrible grip. You yeah, slip so, them right on the place. But these so I, these the are, like, are treacherous. On if it's if it's raining or anything. I mean, I love the 1080 and I love the Beacon. And I know George runs in the Beacon. And there's the universal love for a lot of the stuff New Balance is doing. But the way that the Pumas stick to the ground when it's wet and I'm doing most of my running just, you know, on the sidewalk or, or main streets early in the morning with cars and puddles, I can run through a puddle and I'm like, I don't, I'm not sliding or anything. So I, I appreciate that. It's the same thing. I think with, we've talked about the Solomon Sensoride and that Contra grip when you feel like your foot is firmly, you know, planted on the ground for that second that you have to strike, like you just have confidence. Um, so I sort of feel that with these shoes also. I, I do think not we got, feel that with the new balance. <laughs> I think we got away from that and we're coming back to that because you're starting to see the the Boston has the continental rubber on it and the, the Skechers has the Goodyear rubber on it. Oh. And the Puma and the Diodora and the A6, they're all talking about how grippy that rubber is on the bottom of the shoe but, but now. They're, but they're talking about it in different terms. They're talking about it exactly. in terms of it's going to make you a more efficient runner and thereby Transfer. it's going to get you better for the toe off. So yeah, those sorts of things, which I, think I guess the question is, do you guys remember when the, when the 4% first came out and everybody was saying you can't run if these runners wear it in a, mar a road marathon and it's wet, they're going to slip and slide everywhere. Mm -hmm. Like, I just wonder if the first iteration of all these shoes if the shoes that we're seeing now, if, if it is so much stickier and grippier, because for whatever reason, when all the, you know, when Nike originally came out and Hoka and Adidas, like if the bottom just, it's too slippery, it doesn't have enough grip to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. No, because I, because I think that this is how, this is how, how technology works. And it's not just shoe technology. I think it's technology generally is that, is that you have one company or one product that that you know goes outside that, that breaks the paradigm you know that goes outside of, of where everybody else has been um, and it's not flawless but it's good enough and it's so far beyond where everything else is that people flock to it anyway but then as more people flock to it and then other, as other companies start to get in, involved um, and as and as it gets more widely tested and used those flaws come to the fore and as you create more and more iterations of the product um, you start to address all of those flaws, which only makes the product better. And if you um, think about the fact that Galen Rupp and the other Nike athletes were essentially wearing the first iteration of these Nike shoes at the 2006 trials. So we're exactly five years past that. I mean, is that time frame enough that the shoe companies that had to rally to come up with their own shoe got to correct what yeah. Nike missed in yeah. the beginning? I mean, is that enough time yeah. to... I, it's not just correct, it's correct and improve. Yeah, I agree. I agree to correct and improve. And I think that that it's it's and, and this brings our conversation a little bit full circle. It, it gets us to a place where now making a 
carbon plated shoe is not paradigm breaking anymore. It's not paradigm it's shifting expected. anymore. It's, it's just what you do. It's, 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 we're in the super shoe era. And so whatever the next shoe is, um, whatever the, the next paradigm shift is going to be, is going to have to be something that's outside of this realm. Um, and I don't know who's thinking about what that is, but, but we'll have to see what it is. I Michelle, I for stay one, in this realm for a little while. This is complicated. So, so I enough. think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, <laughs> Michelle, I, for one, as somebody who, who cares a great deal about you and your well being, I'm happy to see you so deeply in love. <laughs> With a shoe. <laughs> I don't think I can go fast in the shoe. It's an interesting, so, I don't, huh. I don't let's think. Let's not it's... get bogged down in details. Uh. <laughs> okay. Uh, Eric, final words. Hey, I'm just glad we got to talk about his shoes. It's cool stuff. I think uh, it resonates with a lot of people. And I think it's, it's, it's a cool topic and a good topic to cover with people. And just, I like, I enjoyed talking about it. Me too. Me too. Michelle, final thoughts. Uh, it's like an unplanned day off today. And Eric is now showing us his new ultras and my new Pumas are so much better looking than that ugly shoe. <laughs> uh, my final thought is I have kind of a boring run tomorrow, but it's exciting to wake up and know that I get to go run in these Pumas. So I'm pretty excited. Fantastic. It's always good to be looking forward to an early morning run as I am as well, but I will once again be on the hashtag treadmill. Um, <laughs> thanks for joining us, everybody. Eric, thanks for being here. No problem. Enjoyed it. Michelle, always a pleasure. Thanks, everybody. Thanks again for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast, on Twitter at pleasantpodcast, or on Instagram, Most Pleasant Exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, so share us with your friends. Don't forget that we're sponsored by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter, at itlcoaching, on Facebook, at facebook.com slash itlcoachingperformance, and on Instagram, itlcoaching. We're also sponsored by Blue Pineapple Travel, bluepineappletravel.com, facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, and on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And finally, don't forget we're sponsored by SlayRx. That's slayrx.com. Facebook.com slash here for SlayRx. That's the number four, SlayRx. Twitter at official SlayRx. And Instagram, here for SlayRx. The number four, SlayRx. Discount code PLEASANT21. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. See you next time.